Welcome everyone to this Aspen podcast entitled Clinical Application of Fish Oil Intravenous Lipid Emulsion in Adult Home Parental Nutrition Patients. This podcast is supported by a grant from Fresenius Cobby. The research discussed in this podcast was presented at an Aspen 21 conference as an abstract. My name is Vanessa Kump and I will serve as moderator of this podcast. I'm a pharmacist in the Center for Human Nutrition at Vanderbilt Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee. Today, we will be discussing a report that describes the use of 100% fish oil intravenous lipid emulsion for the treatment of intestinal failure associated liver disease in adult patients receiving home parental nutrition. You may be familiar with the use of 100% fish oil in pediatric patients, but its use in adult patients is quite novel. For the record, let me state this is off-label use of this intravenous lipid emulsion formulation. We are pleased to have this opportunity to discuss this research with one of the authors, Dr. Manpreet Mundi. Dr. Mundi is a professor of medicine in the Division of Endocrinology, Diabetes, Metabolism, and Nutrition at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. His research and clinical areas of focus are in both inpatient and outpatient nutrition support. He's the medical director for the Home Enteral Nutrition Program and associate director of the Home Parental Nutrition Program. Welcome, Dr. Munde. Thank you so much for having me. Well, first, can you start by providing us with some background regarding the concern with the existing intravenous lipid emulsion products contributing to the complication of intestinal failure-associated liver disease? Absolutely. Uh, and I think, as you know, you know, intestinal failure-associated liver disease is essentially liver injury that occurs due to multiple factors uh, associated with chronic intestinal failure. One of these factors being parenteral nutrition and especially the lipid emulsions. Now within the lipid emulsions, it's hypothesized that 100% soybean oil emulsion may especially play a role. Soybean oil uh, lipid emulsion is rich in essential fatty acids like linoleic acid and alpha-linolenic acid. These are great you know, for preventing essential fatty acid deficiencies. Um, however, Linoleic acid is also an omega-6 fatty acid. And so during its metabolism, it can be converted to arachidonic acid, which tends to then generate pro-inflammatory leukotrienes and prostaglandins. Additionally, these plant-based oil emulsions also tend to be um, good sources of phytosterols. So all of this combined, you know, we hypothesize can lead to development or even worsening of intestinal failure associated liver disease. And so because of this, in many cases uh, for patients who've been on long-term PN, HPN, you know, 100% soybean oil, lipid emulsion is often given three days per week. And if patients develop IFALD, uh, then we reduce that lipid emulsion even further, like once a, a week or sometimes every other week just giving enough essential fatty acids to prevent EFAD. And we make up those calories with dextrose, which can have its own problems. So when mixed oil lipid emulsions came to the market in the U.S., you know, we converted a lot of our patients who had IFAL or were intolerant to 100% soybean oil uh, lipid emulsion to a mixed oil lipid emulsion. And many of them had tremendous response. 
Uh, we published some of our results, but we noticed that there were a few, luckily very rare, but a few patients who didn't respond in that way. We started calling them mixed oil lipid emulsion uh, refractory IFAL. And in those situations, two of which we presented in this poster uh, and have subsequently published, you know, we started to look for alternatives. And when one of those being 100% fish oil. So I like that term, mixed oil refractory IFAL. In that setting, you obviously were trying to be creative and thinking outside the box of ways to, to manage or treat those patients. And you started looking into the use of 100% fish oil. What did you find in the literature when you started looking through to see the use of that of 100% fish oil in adult patients? What did you find? Absolutely. And I think you pointed this out so well in that there's quite a bit of literature in the pediatric population, but unfortunately not so in the adult population. Uh, in fact, we were only able to find about seven case reports uh, describing improvement in liver numbers with the use of 100% fish oil. And what we saw in literature was that there were essentially two approaches that were being taken uh, with the use of 100% uh, fish oil. One was a mixed approach where patients would receive some of their lipid emulsion, typically three days a week or four days a week, from the 100% fish oil. On other days, they would either receive mixed oil or olive oil uh, containing lipid emulsions. And in this mixed approach, we saw that typically folks were aiming for about 0.2 grams per kilogram per day or higher of fish oil. The other approach was to use all of the lipid you know, component being 100% fish oil. And so in that approach, you know, with some of the cases long-term, what we saw was that initially, you know, all of the lipid was the 100% uh, fish oil. But then as the liver improved and numbers got better, they would then often switch them back to the mixed approach. Uh, so there were those two dynamics that we were seeing in the case reports. Okay, well, then that's great because that then leads us to talk about the experience you observed with your two case reports, your two patients. So let's talk about those two patients. Let's start with the first patient. Kind of describe that the experience with the first patient, because it seems as if your approach was a little bit different with the two patients. So describe the first patient and, and how well it did. Absolutely. So with our first patient, she was a 40-year-old female, had long-standing history of chronic intestinal pseudo-obstruction, uh, and presented to us now about two years ago for evaluation of IFAL. And she you know, had dealt with motility issues for a long time even tried enteral feeds at uh, one point, uh, but unfortunately her symptoms continued to progress. And finally, in April of 2018, she ended up with a colectomy, near total enterotomy, and end jejunostomy with only 25 centimeters of jejunum remaining. So clearly this was someone who's gonna need PN lifelong. Uh, when we saw her at that time, she was receiving parenteral nutrition for seven days a week, Mixed oil was being the lipid emulsion that was being provided, and it was given two days per week at 100 grams each of those days. So on average, she was receiving about 0.49 grams of, of lipid uh, emulsion per kilogram per day. You know, as part of the evaluation, we did an MR elastography, 
And we noted that she had hepatic steatosis with about 19% fat fraction. The liver stiffness was consistent with stage one to two fibrosis. So she was really headed towards, you know, poor outcome. Uh, so in her situation, because she was already on mixed oil lipid emulsion, we started with that mixed approach. We changed her dose to 50 grams of mixed oil lipid emulsion four days per week. The other three days, we added the 100% uh, fish oil lipid emulsion. Uh, with this approach, she was receiving now an average of about 0.37 grams per kilogram per day of fish oil, higher than that threshold, the 0.2. And we then followed her labs for a few months. We saw improvement, but it didn't improve to the degree that we wanted. So then we switched her to four days of 100% fish oil lipid emulsion and three days of the mixed oil. Uh, this increased her fish oil component even more to something like 0.44. Um, and then after six months, you know, we repeated uh, the MR elastography and were really shocked. Uh, her hepatic steatosis had completely resolved. Her liver stiffness was now in the normal range. Uh, so tremendous uh, success. What's the role of monitoring liver enzymes then? Because in your abstract, you do then also show improvement in their ALK-FOS and total Billy. So those all respond as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I think we still would monitor the liver enzymes, um, you know, more frequently, perhaps even once a month. Sometimes we were doing it even more frequently just because we, we were so novices at using 100% fish oil. Uh, but now I think we're comfortable monitoring it once a month and then deciding if we uh, adjust the dose. But some of the other imaging that we were doing less frequently, perhaps three to six months, you know, after initially starting. Great. Okay. Great success with that patient. So tell us about the second case. Yeah, the second case is a 49-year-old male uh, with a history of necrotizing pancreatitis. Unfortunately, this led to a prolonged hospitalization complicated by enterocutaneous fistula. He was finally discharged with a plan to provide home parental nutrition. Uh, and the plan was to do this for a few months, bring him back for a fistula takedown. At the time of his discharge, he was getting daily soybean oil uh, lipid emulsion. And so what we started to notice about six months to nine months that his liver numbers started to rise. So we did our normal protocol. We decreased the lipid emulsion dose three days a week, one day a week. Um, and unfortunately, that just didn't work. Uh, so we switched them to a mixed oil lipid emulsion. We tried that for three days per week. And unfortunately, even though there was some improvement, it didn't improve to the degree that we wanted. And so we tried to reduce the dose of PN. That didn't help. And this kind of went on and on to the point where his liver numbers were so elevated that at one point we had to hold parental nutrition. He started to lose weight. And so we started trying enteral feeds. But when we did that, or we tried to increase oral intake, his fistula output would go up and he would lose weight. And so this was just a really tough situation and led to an admission for malnutrition and failure to thrive. So during that admission, uh, we then uh, restarted parental nutrition, but we did so with 100% fish oil. 
And in this case, we went with the complete lipid emulsion being provided from fish oil because even small amounts of mixed oil lipid emulsion uh, led to his liver numbers increasing. We started and, and kind of increased, and we, we were at about 55 grams of fish oil per day, seven days per week, which was providing him 0.85 grams per kilogram per day. So after you know 150, 170 days of this, his liver numbers continued to improve, his nutrition was improving, uh, and then he went in and had a fistula takedown. So uh, another tremendous uh, success, I think. Great. And you note that there was no evidence of essential fatty acid deficiency in either of these patients. So how did you assess that? With essential fatty acid deficiency, as you know, there's the three main families of these polyunsaturated fatty acids, the long chain fatty acids, uh, the omega-3, the omega-6, and the omega-9. And they all sort of compete with each other for the same elongase and desaturase enzymes uh, that are used for their metabolism. So if you get a deficiency in one family, you know, we'll see that metabolized products of the other families increase. And so with essential fatty acid deficiency, uh, we see that mead acid to arachidonic acid ratio, or what we call the triene to tetraene ratio increases. And we consider a positive value of this ratio at about 0.2. Um, we can also look for you know, clinical manifestations like skin changes, hair loss, reduced growth, neurological manifestations. So that's typically how we follow these individuals. Um, we check a fatty acid profile, um, which is comprehensive and gives us the essential fatty acids. It gives us meat acid levels and also that triene-tetraene ratio. And in both cases, the triene-tetraene ratio actually improved and didn't get worse. So for our first patient, the ratio improved to about 0.03, uh, which is an order of magnitude, you know, better than that threshold. Uh, with our second patient with 100% fish oil, we noticed that the linoleic acid, alpha-linoleic acid, their levels decreased. But again, the ratio improved and was about 0.026. So again, that order of magnitude away uh, from the threshold. So we really think that even though we're not providing essential fatty acids, we may be providing downstream metabolites that prevent development of essential fatty acid deficiency uh, with these 100% uh, fish oil lipid emulsions. That certainly is comforting because I know that is a concern with the use of 100% fish oil. Did any clinical symptoms or signs of fatty acid deficiency in either of these patients? No, not at all. Great. Well, I know we're wrapping up with the time, but I have one final question I'd like to ask, and it has to do with how did you go about obtaining the use of a 100% fish oil since it is an off-label use? Was that an issue or problem? Any suggestions for the audience on that? Yeah, I think with, you know, 100% fish oil, if you remember, before it was approved for pediatric patients for uh, parental nutrition-associated cholestasis, uh, it was difficult. You had to apply to the FDA. Uh, you actually then needed a fish and game license, I think it was called, because you were bringing in a fresh product into the country. So you needed this license to import it. 
But after it's approved, that changed the landscape. And so most of the infusion companies uh, should have some available or can get some because they may be using it for their pediatric patients. So we haven't had trouble uh, obtaining it. There are, you know, clearances that may be needed by that infusion company. They'll have to check with their medical director, uh, but we haven't had uh, much difficulty. The biggest thing has been, you know, how to provide it. Um, and as you know, right now, uh, it's only available as a 10% solution. So if you need 50 grams, you need about 500 milliliters. And so sometimes, you know, we have to provide it as a separate bag in itself. That requires two pumps, and it's sort of Y-sided in with the rest of the parental nutrition. For our other patients, after some additional testing, we've been doing two-in-ones, just like our normal uh, lipid emulsions. Uh, but with that, there's a capacity issue. So you can only typically provide about 500 milliliters in that lipid compartment. And so anyone who needs more than 50 grams uh, we then have uh, gone to a three-in-one uh, where it's pre-mixed, and, and that has worked well. We're getting more stability testing, and so that's allowed us to say, you know, this is probably safe for seven to nine days of storage, just like our, our remaining PN. Uh, so it, it's working out for our patients. Great. Thank you so much. Any closing words of advice before we sign off? the type of patients that maybe we would like to consider this or to kind of advise on that, give us a little bit of advice. I think this is just a very exciting time for our field. You know, there's a lot of energy and research that's being done. So I think that's what keeps me going uh, in that we're able to help more and more patients. But I think in terms of considering 100% fish oil, we are approaching it in those individuals that are refractory to a mixed oil lipid emulsion or an olive oil lipid emulsion. So those are the patients that were really considering this option. Fortunately, very rare. Uh, I think we may have about three of our patients or perhaps four uh, on this. Uh, so fortunately, it's not a huge number, but it's an option for these individuals. And you can see by these two cases, they really wouldn't have any other options, right? With the first case, we'd be looking at a liver transplant. And with the second case, no option, you know, thinking of hospice or other approaches. So this has been tremendous for both of these. And I think we'll keep doing more and more work and research into deciding what's the best approach. Is it that mixed approach, you know, where you combine the two uh, or do we go with 100% of the lipid emulsion being the fish oil and then sort of tapering down as things get better? But I think we need more data for that. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Munde, for joining us today. We also want to thank Fresenius Kabi for providing us the opportunity to share this research. And thanks to you, our audience, for listening to this Aspen podcast. That's all for this episode. Please return to this Aspen channel of SoundCloud again to listen to future podcasts. To support what we do, please share, subscribe, and leave a review over on SoundCloud. Goodbye for now.